What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything going on in the world of Asian MMA. This episode is brought to you by the One Night Eight Man Tournament format, because you never know what's going to happen. I'm Dana Bluen, and today we're talking about all the craziness that one championship unleashed on the world last week at their summit, leading up to their Hot of the Lion event in Singapore. I did touch on some of these things last week in my uh, weekly news recap or my midweek news recap. So I'm going to go a little bit more in depth. I mean, there's just so much that they unleashed on us that you know we kind of have to dive into it and really unpack a lot of it. Now, I think for most fight fans, the biggest news is that one will hold their two, not one, but two Grand Prix in 2019 for both the flyweight and lightweight divisions, which are clearly meant to showcase their newest prospects, Demetrius Johnson and the underground king, Eddie Alvarez. Both recent signings, both former UFC champions and potentially going to shake up the whole division there. You know, I, I think with the UFC seemingly disbanding their flyweight division, we could really see one pick up some of the free agents who might make this even more interesting in the next few months. We also don't have any really word about how these Grand Prix events are going to be bracketed or how they're going to take place. We're going to really have to wait and see what the time frame is. Does it take the whole year to get it done? I mean, that's going to be interesting in itself. For me, this rings of the old Pride FC days. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing this get underway. I love the Pride Grand Prix, the K1 Grand Prix. I always found that that format interesting and appealing. It adds a ton of drama to the division, to the sport, and I, I just think it's going to be one of the greatest things to happen. Now, non-fight news that was unpacked last week is that one is going to be investing up to $50 million into esports, partnering with uh, Dentsu and Razor to build what looks to be one of the world's largest esports tournaments, leagues, whatever it's going to end up being, it's going to be big. And, of course, it only makes sense that Demetrius Johnson is going to play a role in this new esports endeavor because, you know, that's really one of his main things. And... I talked about this the other day, you know, in my uh, in my episode when he first got signed, that this could have been a esports in itself could have been a big thing for Demetrius Johnson. He's very popular on Twitch, has a lot of followers. He's been playing games his whole life. Those of you who remember UFC pre Reebok, he used to have Xbox and Microsoft sponsoring him, so it's a very natural fit. And, of course, he's going to play a big role there. And they've announced that he is going to actually be the uh, chief brand ambassador for this. I don't know what that role is going to entail, but I imagine it's going to be something fun. And he might be jumping in, playing, you know, jumping in the tournaments, going head-to-head -head with some of his fans. I, I think that's going to be really interesting. But, you know, as always, I think that there's a lot more to this than just getting into a new vertical for one. Despite how hot esports is in Asia and despite the size that they're going at, Chatri Sityantang has said over and over and over again that one is a sports media business. 
their whole business model is based around being able to bring as many eyes to their content as possible. That's why one doesn't sell pay-per-views. They give their content away for free because it's about the eyeballs. It's about creating a media property that can drive engagement. I interviewed Chatri uh, earlier this year for one of my business entrepreneur podcasts, and he told me straight out that you know, the idea for the app and the idea for just giving the content away and putting it out there actually came from their context at Sequoia Capital after they made their first investment into one championship. You know, and if you think about it from the Asian perspective, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, even the UFC doesn't sell pay-per-views here. The UFC is on cable TV for what would be a pay-per-view event in the U.S. You can watch it in Thailand. You can watch it in uh, Malaysia and the Philippines for free if you have that network. So pay-per-views don't really make a difference here. And for Chatry being kind of smart enough to see that and then also seeing, wow, how can he leverage his event schedule, which they have a crazy event schedule, just like any other world-class organization. They're putting on shows every couple weeks, sometimes back-to-back weeks, three a month, four a month sometimes. How can they get more out of that Building an esports event around that makes a ton of sense. That doesn't just give them live events, though. That really gives them the ability to create more digital content, a, a seemingly endless stream of video content. Just think of all the vlogs and live streams and you know video highlights from e-gaming that they're going to be able to create doing an e-gaming event at every single one championship event. It's going to be insane. I'm going to move on from that now, though. The last official news from the One Summit this week is that former UFC and Strikeforce champion Misha Tate has joined One Championship in a VP role, and she's going to be moving to Singapore to fulfill that role. So she's going to be living here in Asia to fulfill this role. And I believe she just had a child, so, I mean, she's uprooting her whole family. You know, this is going to be a fairly attractive role for her to be doing that. Now, if I had to guess... Um, I would imagine it's going to be a pretty involved role. One hasn't really said anything yet about what specifically her VP role is going to entail. I reached out to Chatry for comment, but didn't receive anything before I started to record this. So I've got no more information than anyone else. But like I said, if I had to guess, I would imagine it's going to be a very public role. Misha's great in front of the camera. She's great on the mic. The media loves her. She's very personable. You know, they're going to obviously want to take advantage of that completely. Also, though, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Misha Tate start to take a leadership role in developing one championship's women's divisions, helping to identify new talents, helping to bring that in and really add some depth to those divisions that it's lacking at this time. Maybe even expanding and adding more women's divisions for one championship. Always a possibility. I'm going to be really interested to see what her role turns out to be. I'll keep you guys posted. You know, obviously, if I hear anything or if anything official comes out, I'll talk about that here on the show. Now, that's all the official news, right? That's, you know, that's what came out of the One Championship Summit. I'm still going to do the recap of the event uh, this weekend. It was amazing. It was actually some great fights, and the main event was was mind-blowing, so... You know how that ended up playing out. We'll get we'll get into that and the implications in a, in a separate episode. 
unofficial news from the summit, though, I think a lot of people saw that Sage Northcutt was in Singapore for the One Championship Summit. They didn't sign him. There was no announcement, at least, from either side. But Chachi was posting online how much he respects Sage, respects his father. You know, and it did seem like there was perhaps a little bit of a wooing going on there. I'm not sure what that situation looks like. Sage is definitely a different caliper from Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez. He's not at that premier level, but he has marketability. So to bring him over as a fighter could be interesting. I'm not sure how he's going to play with the whole Asian heroes demographic that Chatry's kind of building. You know, coming in as kind of like a mid-level guy. A champion coming in is a different thing. But bringing someone in at that mid-level, maybe it doesn't work. My other thought is that perhaps Sage is using this as a way to leverage the UFC for a better deal so he can go back to the UFC. I'm not sure. I mean, either way, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. I don't think he's a top-tier guy in the UFC, and I don't think he's a top-tier guy in one championship. So no matter where he's going, he's going to judge how that impacts his overall growth in the sport. That I have no real clue about. We're going to have to wait and see. Anyway, guys, that is all I have for you right now. This is just a quick separate episode meant as a recap of everything that went down at one championship. Let me know what you think of the esports. Let me know what you guys think of Misha Tate coming over as a VP. What do you think her role is going to be? Leave the comments. Let's figure it out. To stay up to date with all things Asian MMA, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Facebook. I'm on Spotify. You can find it there. I'll have all the links in the show notes. Check it out. Thank you.